How's it going? Okay, so if you're hearing this, you're probably like, what's going on? Why are you talking to me like this? Uh, well, so we, we, we went through a rebrand. We originally were, speaking of which, we're now Drunken Book Club. But I wanted to keep old episodes alive. So here are the episodes before the main update to Drunken Book Club. These are, you know, episodes that we did on a bunch of different books before we rebranded to Drunken Book Club. I keep referring to us as Drunken Book Club, but also reference speaking of which, which is the old podcast. So there we are. Also, our new socials for this are at DBC underscore pod for Twitter. And our Patreon is patreon.com slash Drunken Book Club. Definitely recommend checking it out. It's only a dollar a month, and you can tell us what books to read. All right, well, that's it. You guys enjoy the episode. Bye-bye. Have you ever thought to yourself, hey, these guys should talk about this book on Drunken Book Club? Or even, hey, I want to hear them gush about this on Rubles Rupees. Well, guess what? We'll listen to you if you pitch in a dollar on our Patreon. That's right, for one dollar, we'll listen to you. And along with that dollar, you know what else you get? You get access to all the bonus episodes that I put out every single week, including the backlogs, and early access to all our podcasts and videos, and everything else that I put up on there. So for a dollar, I think it's pretty much worth it, but you be the judge. Check it out. It's at patreon.com slash speaking of which. Thank you and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to Drunken Book Club. I'm your terrible with a a hairy mole lunch lady, Christopher the Rupal, joined with... The thirsty as hell child, Sam. (laughs) And we read Back to School. Did you bring the book in here? Yes. Okay, cool. We read the Bone Chillers book, Back to School. Bone Chillers number three. Uh, I have no idea. Bone Chillers came out after Goosebumps, I'm assuming. I'm, like, making this assumption because, like... Everyone wanted to be the next Goosebumps. Which yeah, this came out in 94, so two years after. So. Which I don't blame them, because... Oh, know. fuck, yeah. I was about to I get it. I was about to we gotta make that moolah. I gonna say, as someone who read Twilight and then a lot of ripoffs from Twilight, I can't really Yeah, you can't speak, yeah. <laughs> on people doing ripoffs. God, there were so many Harry Potter ripoffs. Oh my god. That one was hard to get into, because a lot of them were like, we're also gonna be huge-ass books, and it's like, I don't have time for that. Yeah, no. Whereas a lot of the vampire ones were at least like, hey... We're maybe 200 pages tops, so... We're horny. Here you go. Yeah, we're horny by page 200, by the end of the book, so you're good. It's 200 pages. Woo! Horn, 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 well, horn. some of it was just emo. Hey, we, we've got... I mean, there are a lot of Goosebumps ripoffs. These are putting into quotes. I mean, yes, they're technically ripoffs. I picked up a bunch of them. I got Dead Time Stories down there and a bunch of others. Yeah. But we decided on Bone Chillers uh, Back to School... Because I had two choices. I had this one or Creature Teacher. And unfortunately, Creature Teacher takes place during a hurricane. And with it being hurricane season in Florida and there actually being, like, pretty bad hurricanes. Let's not. I was like, let's avoid that for right now. Maybe when it's not hurricane season. Yeah. That's what I say. I mean, a teacher, as long as it's during the school year, I feel like Creature Teacher will be fine. Yeah. But uh, uh, let's talk about how we pre-gamed on this episode. So I started the night off with a shot of 99 banana, a really old shot of 99 bananas in like a little shooter bottle. It burned like fucking hell and did not feel good, but it got me rolling down that very drunk highway. And I then had a, I put some rum inside my Diet Baja Blast and I'm currently (laughs) nursing a Smirnoff Ice Red, White, and Berry Limited Edition. 
I had a Mike's Hard Lemonade. Yep. And then I'm finishing off my Cane's Lemonade with some pink lemonade and a shot of cherry vodka. Yeah. I was about to say when you when you have that like bit where it's like oh we gotta you gotta add a bit more in there you know yeah, I it, I feel like because how much you had like halfway I'm guessing it was about half yeah when it's full you gotta add liquor you can't add it late yeah but again I didn't want to yeah I get you yeah so hey we're already buzzed here so should we start off how we felt about the book or did we finish that off I, I feel like we usually end on that kind of because it's okay. after we talk about that everything true. that happens that is true. and then so uh, sh- should I get started then on our on my Classic Rupal's patented note-taking chapter-by-chapter thing. Sure. Oh, so let's let's just describe this cover real quick. To this, to, to describe this cover is to question reality. Like all bone chillers, we have a face that that rips itself open with two clawed hands to reveal a cover with a lunch lady who vaguely looks like Sam's mom, but with a hideous fly body that's stirring a witch's brew in the back of a cafeteria, while two of the Bailey school kids are in the background looking puzzled that they're on the cover of a book that's not that's longer than 100 pages. And they're not just gawking at homosexuals. Yes. And are you angry that I said she looks kind of like your mom? No, I, can, I see it. Y- you can see it? I see it. Okay, okay, that's fair. <laughs> all right so yeah that, that cover is quite something it's not the best cover like yeah, it's, uh, it's it's weird but like, it's not if, like if i looked at it as a kid i'd be like that's a weird looking cover but i still think i'd be like uh on it you know i'd probably be like as a kid i would be I, like no i'd probably look at at number five or whatever whatever creature teacher is and be like ooh, that's got a gross frog teacher i want that one and, like, as a kid that was really squicked out by bugs, yeah, I wouldn't have gone, this is the one I want to see. Yeah. Again, the frog one, I'd be like, I, I can I can look at it. I can, I can get it, I yeah. can try it. It's Creature Teacher, not Teacher Creature, right? Which one is it? Teacher Creature. Teacher Creature. Because Creature Teacher is Goosebumps 2000, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know. You know what? Spongy, you'll correct me, probably. <laughs> I get those ones mixed up because... Uh, that a funny story about that Goosebumps 2000 book. I know we're going off topic. Hey, guess what? It's Drunk and Book Club. I'm drunk. But we used to make fun of the Goosebumps 2000s cover because it by me and my brother because the teacher on the cover looked like his fourth grade teacher who he hated. Like, <laughs> and it did look just like her. Minus like the like you know obviously she's not a creature, but she looked like that if she wasn't bug eyed creepy ass monster. <laughs> All right, let us get into the book. Chapter one. Let us read it. Read the first page in its entirety, Sam. Go right ahead and read its first page. I gave you the book. Oh, did no, you didn't. Yes, you did. Here you go. Here's page one, Sam. Just read that first page. That's it. Fitz Traflon scowled into the trash can. Running across the top of the empty cans and cartons and congealed spaghetti inside was a giant brown cockroach. It was at least as big as Fitz's thumb. He wrinkled his nose in disgust. Then he held the empty, the empty peanut butter jar directly over it. Bombs away, he said as he dropped the jar. He picked up the jar and looked under it. The cockroach's antenna were still moving. Emin carefully shoved the jar into the garbage as hard as he could. Then he lifted it once more, surveying the now smushed cockroach with satisfaction. Most of his friends were fascinated by bugs, but not Fitz. He hated them. He didn't really know why, but he had been completely disgusted by anything creepy or crawly ever since he could remember. Alright, so that gives you a good idea of what Fitz is. He's a boy. (laughs) Who doesn't like bugs. Fitz is pissed because today is his birthday and also the first day of school. That is a shit day to have a birthday, kid. I'm sorry. You know, technically, if we were in school still, 
my birthday could be come would come very close to it. Yeah. Because it used to be my birthday used to be like two maybe three weeks before school starts. Now it's like a week away. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm sorry, kids. That sucks. I'm gonna say mine's always just in a weird spot. Yeah. He walks to school and and we find out he isn't one that he isn't one of those kids that likes school because he's a relatable kid, yo. He gets there and two girls stop him. Sarah Sharon and Lexi Palmer. Sarah's chubby, and the book makes sure you know she likes food because she's a fatty. She also has a crush on Fitz, but he's relatable because he says no to fatties. Also, one of the things that it says, because it literally says he's disgusted by her. Yeah. That really rubs me the wrong way. Like, (laughs) I don't like that. Because I get, like, if he's not into her, he's not into her. I'm not gonna, like... I think it's because he... Well, let me finish. He he hates all girls. But he can't give an... He can't give a fuck to... uh, Wait, sorry, no, I, I, I skipped ahead. Lexi is a nerd who takes vitamins and wears glasses and shit and has allergies. Sarah starts telling Fitz about the new lunch lady, Miss Larva Webb. A little too on the nose. Real subtle book, am I right? Yeah. But he can't give enough of a fuck to listen to a girl because he hates girls. Even though he's 12. And I know when I was 12, I was into girls and then later boys and then even into both. So, you know. 12-year-old not into girls? Yeah, come on. I was into boys at that time, and I just thought girls were pretty and thought all girls had the same thoughts that I did. Yeah. (laughs) Ain't that wrong, Sam. But he pays attention when his friend and possible crush, Brian, says, What's up? Brian says he has a surprise for Fitz, and Fitz gets a boner at the idea and follows Brian inside the school. Brian takes Fitz to see the new lunch lady, and Fitz can't give a shit about it. She looks like a normal old lunch lady, but when she turns around, they see that she has bobbles around her neck that look like bugs, but they're m- 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 moving. Ah. So one of the things that I find is kind of funny, by the way, when you say she looks kind of like my mom. Yeah. My mom's maiden name is Webb. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Is it with two B's as well? Yeah. That is so funny. It is your mom. Your mom's in this book. If she didn't meet your dad. I got Gotten to bugs. Yeah. She liked frogs more. Uh, well, maybe she stopped. Oh, maybe she got into bugs instead of frogs. Yeah. There we go. Is it because she kind of looks like a frog? No. Just frogs are cool. I mean, frogs are cool. So. She kind of looks like a frog. Like, no offense to your mom. Say it, Sam. Okay. And I look like an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Chapter two. Fitz wants to leave. Fitz wants to leave, but the lunch lady notices them and demands they come and introduce themselves. Fitz notices the bobbles aren't actually moving as they as they come closer to the sunglasses-wearing lady. She introduces herself, but Fitz is fixated with her bug necklace. Brian snaps him out of it and introduces, and introduces them to her. They begin to leave when Fitz notices a cockroach and stomps it. Miss Larva freaks and says it's one of her pets and cries over the dead bug named Gregory. Rest in peace, Greg. She looks at Fritz with rage and calls him a murderer. Fitz is able to see her eyes under her sunglasses and realizes she has a ton of eyes underneath, like a fly's eyes. She has compacted eyes. Chapter 3. The boys leave. Fitz wanted to tell Brian about her eyes, but decided against it because of his two roach encounters in one day. Also, another thing I put, by the way, of like the whole, like, you murdered my child. Maybe don't have your pets that are considered pests run around school. That's fair. I'm like... That's fair right there. Like, people said, like, if the rats were out of the cage, they'd consider them, like, pets, pests, and try to, like, kill them or get rid of them. 
Class begins, and his teacher set him behind Sarah, which pisses the boy off. Throughout the morning, he's unable to pay attention to class, but when it comes close to lunch, he notices a delicious smell in the air. That fat pusser. No, it's pizza. But not the normal crappy school pizza, but the good shit. By the time this lunch bell rings, Fitz was rushing out the door, but he realizes he brought his lunch and is disappointed that he doesn't have enough for a slice of that za. Brian and him find a table and they wonder if they should have uh, bought lunch today, but Fitz thinks against it because of Miss Larva's nasty-ass pet. Then suddenly, Miss Larva comes out of the kitchen holding an enormous cake for Fitz. Uh, so for Fitz's birthday. They sing happy birthday to him, and let us read the last page of page 18, Sam. Maybe this isn't going to be such a bad birthday after all, he thought. When the song was finished, Miss Larva held up her hand for silence. The birthday boy gets the first bite, she announced loudly. There's a few groans from the crowd, but most kids held their forks to signal that they were waiting. Go ahead, urged Sarah. Yeah, hurry up so we can eat ours, said Brian. It looks awesome. The cake looked so delicious, his mouth was watering. Fitz pushed all the doubts he had about Miss Larva to the back of his mind. He scooped up a bite of cake of his fork. Hey, look, it's got chocolate chips in it, he cried, popping the cake into his mouth. Oh, no, those aren't chocolate chips, said Miss Larva, shaking her head. They're much better for you than chocolate chips. A grin spread across her pudgy face. They're chocolate-covered ants. Nom, nom, nom. Ha, <laughs> ha, said Jeff McCormick, rolling his eyes as he wolfed down a slice of cake. Good one, Miss Larva. And the rest of the kids started laughing, too, all except for Fitz. He was too busy gagging. Chapter 4. Fitz sticks a finger down his throat and tries to throw up, but can't. Then he tries two fingers, but then Miss Larva explains that bugs are good to eat and that it isn't frowned upon elsewhere in the world. Very, very progressive. Fitz seems cons- uh, seems cons- oh my god, what the fuck am I trying to say? Fitz seems considered- or considered at first? Oh wait. Fitz seems concerned at first, but then says fuck it and eats his cake because that shit is bomb. I mean, I don't blame him. The next day, most kids who brought their lunch didn't. Fitz considered it, but brings a lunch anyways. Brian gets the burgers and fries, and Fitz is a little jealous, but not after Brian says that the fries are crushed grasshoppers. Brian then asks for mustard, but Fitz can't find any at the table. And he looks at the other tables and there isn't any there either. Brian goes up to Miss Larva to ask for mustard, all while Fitz contemplates getting a fry. Miss Yar- Miss Larva yells at Brian for wanting mustard and returns to the table before Fitz can grab a fry. Chapter 5. Mustard is good, though. Mustard is delicious. And it's also very obvious this book is foreshadowing the mustard shit. Yeah. Spoiler. (laughs) There are about 20 more chapters to go before we get there. (laughs) Chapter 5. The next day, Lexi stops Fitz and asks if he's getting the school lunch. And he replies no. And she shows him her findings. There were ants in his birthday cake that day. He rushes to homeroom in bewilderment. At lunch, Fitz watched as students and teachers were in line for tacos, beans, and rice for lunch. Fitz wondered if the beans were beetles and the rice was maggots, but changes his mind. He also notices the lunchroom is silent and everyone just eating their meal. Fitz looks over at Miss Larva as she's wiping her eyes and notices and notices her fly-like eye. Fitz looks over to Lexi, who is pale white, and notices that she too has seen Miss Larva's fly-like eyes. Also, I saw you shivering at the uh, maggot rice. I, I just don't like... Ma- maggots, maggots creeping out. All I can think of is the scene from uh, the Lost Boys where he's like, 
<laughs> but you're eating worms when he's eating the chow mein. And it's like, Ugh! and then they parried the shit out of that in, um, what's it called? In, uh, what we do in the shadows of the movie. You're eating worms. And he's like, oh, oh. <laughs> see, it works. As long as it looks worm-like. I, do, I love what we do with the shadows. Ah, such a good... I'm so excited for uh, season three. Season I'm also really excited for the other new show from FX, uh, Reservation Dogs. Oh, is it the werewolves? Sorry. What? I don't know. No. Reservation Dogs is about actual reservation Native Americans. Okay, I don't know. I'm sorry. Racist. We were talking about what we do in the shadows, so I thought it was going to be like a spinoff. So excuse this me. Isn't, this isn't Twilight, Sam, where Native Americans are werewolves. No, remember there was a Native American werewolf, and he's like, but that has nothing to do with it. Yes. How about you quiet down your racism, Whitey? I'm sorry. A I, white man you, took you just away said my, like, my penis. I'm, I'm, well, I thought because they're both from FX. Okay. Is that fair? That's fair, but That's I also fair? just thought it would... Hey, 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 lots of love. Chapter 6. Fitz follows Brian to the tray return space, and they discover a handmade sign that reads, Attention all students, come to the cafeteria after school today and learn all about some new and wonderful creatures. You'll be amazed. You've never seen anything like them before, Miss Larva Webb. Ooh. It's a snail that goes fast. <laughs> that snail is fast. Uh, Brian asks Period. if Fitz will be there, and Fitz declines. All through his afternoon classes, Fitz can't help but think of Miss Larva and wants to tell adults, but he knows better than to tell adults because they won't believe him because he's a child. And this is a book written by an adult. I say, this is a goosebump derivative. You never bring adults into this shit. So after school, he decides to go to Miss Larva's thing. Brian is shocked to see Fitz invites him to his table. And Fitz notices how crowded it is. Miss Larva bursts through the doors with covered cages. And Fitz jokes that they're Gregory's siblings. Miss Larva explains how she loves bugs and loves crossbreeding them and shows off one of her creations. A half tarantula, half centipede. Uh, that which can't exist. I put, you know what's more creepy than a centipede? Huh. Give it longer legs. Yeah, because that's what it is. Its body was long and narrow as a centipede's and has as many legs as one. But the legs were long and hairy like a tarantula. Because honestly, tarantulas don't scare me that much. But centipedes do. Because centipedes are mean bastards. Yeah. Brian asks how she does it, but she says it's a secret. Can you keep it? Okay, DNA me. Shh. She then reveals a cross, be cross between a butterfly and a spider. And then a grasshopper crossed with a wasp. Then finish by reading the last part of page 34, Sam. When that was finished, she took a deep breath. And now, children... For some really exciting news, Fitz stared at her, watching her face take on a strange glow. When she spoke again, her voice vibrated just above a whisper. Very soon, you'll all help me with the greatest experiment I've ever conducted. I can't tell you about it now, but very soon, you'll understand. All the kids started whisper whispering excitingly, all except Fitz. He shivered at her words. Miss Larva's mouth was turned up in a big smile. And the bugs on her necklace seemed to move just a little bit. Ding, 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 ding. Chapter 7. On their way home, Brian is excited to take part in Miss Larva's experiments. And how good of a cook she, she is. But Fitz can't give two shits and tries to tell Brian about her eyes. But he won't listen. The next day, Fitz tries complaining about Miss Larva to his other friends. But none of them will listen to him and even threaten him. Fitz then tries to talk to Lexi about it. But not before Sarah can interrupt with her thirst. She complains about Fitz calling Miss Larva Miss Buggy. And then he gets gross and explains her eyes to her and that 
She probably eats garbage, like the rotting tomatoes in the garbage that he saw. Sarah then projectile vomits at the thought, and Lexi scolds Fitz before taking her friend to the bathroom. Vomit count one. I'm glad I put that in. I forgot about that, honestly. Two weeks pass, and Lexi and Fitz are the only kids still bringing their lunches. The other students start to complain that they have to start have to eat their parents' cooking over the weekends. The menu also starts to slowly get more and more bizarre, like eggplant and zucchini casserole with a side of deep-fried frog legs. It's funny, like, halfway through the sentence, I'm like, that's not too weird. Like, that could be good. Yeah. And then the frog legs, I'm like, okay, you lost me. I mean, I'd try it. Or deep-dish sardine pizza with pineapple chunks, which I don't think that sounds good in any form. Yeah, I mean... Uh, Fitz is, discuss- the, the, the. Fitz is disgusted by both those meals, but can't help but notice how good they smell. Fitz also notices that the teachers were nicer, not giving as much homework or test. And that he was finally getting A's and B's for once in his stupid life. But the strangest thing was everyone's appetites had grown to a superhuman level. One day, Brian is eating a mountain of food, and once he finishes, Fitz follows him to the tray return and questions how he can eat so much. Brian isn't sure... And Sarah pokes fun at Fitz being the only one not eating Miss Larva's food, besides Lexi, but she has allergies. So she gets a pass. Yep. He decides that, that after being berated by Sarah, that tomorrow he will buy his lunch. Chapter 8. The next day, he didn't bring his lunch, but money for lunch. Fitz goes to school early to spy on Miss Larva. He gets there when no one else is around. He slips into the cafeteria and sees Miss Larva stirring a large pot with her back turned to him. She then commands that he comes into her kitchen. He's shocked that she saw him with her back turned, and he reluctantly goes inside. Chapter 9. This is a short chapter. A lot of these chapters got really short after a while. Yeah, they're like, oh, we just need to pad it. Pretty much. They're, like, most of these chapters are like three pages from this point on. <laughs> I wish I was kidding. Like, most of these are just paragraph long for me. She demands to know why he was spying on her. He says he was wondering what was for lunch in a scared voice. She laughs and shows him that she's making red sauce that has caterpillars of varying colors in it. She starts to explain the lifespan of caterpillars and how they have four stages, the egg and the larva which they're at. She then covers the bugs in more sauce, then a layer of cheese, and says she's making lasagna with her secret recipe. He runs out, freaking out, and leans against a wall when suddenly kids start piling into school to their lockers. He thinks to himself... That he's the only one who knows, and that no one will believe him. Fucking sheeple. Also, something that, I don't know why it bugged, like, it creeped me out more than, like, that they're eating bugs. Mm -hmm. But, like, the fact that they're, like, squirming around as she covered them in sauce. That is true. And was, like, gonna cook them alive. Yeah. I was like, that's kind of fucked up. It's kind of brutal. Yeah. I mean, a lot of of different groups do actually, like, fry them live. But it was just one of those, like, thinking about Chapter 10. Fitz rushes outside and finds Brian and tells him of his discovery. Brian doesn't believe him and tells him to stop picking on Miss Larva and to bug off. <laughs> Pun. Fitz is heartbroken that his BF doesn't believe him. Don't know which BF it is. There we go. Then Lexi says hi to him and he tells her what he saw and she believes him. She then asks if he's still going to buy lunch like he said he would yesterday. He's not sure of what he will do, but is happy that at least one person believes him. Eat the money. Eat the money. By lunchtime, Fitz wasn't sure of what to do, but Brian forces Fitz into line and he hopes that he had imagined the caterpillar experience and something else was for lunch. But much to his dismay, Lasagna is for lunch. 
chapter 11. In the line, Fitz is freaking out about the Lasagna and hopes he'll run out of, uh, hopes she'll run out by the time he gets to the front of line. She doesn't. Dun dun dun! He gets his plate and reluctantly tries it. He finds that it is amazing and starts shoveling it down. While he's eating, he notices Miss Larva staring at him and her mouth slowly growing into a sneer, like the Grinch. She's gonna steal Christmas. Now she's gonna steal children. Chapter 12. Throughout the rest of the day, Fitz wonders if he'll get sick from the meal, but he doesn't. And by the end of the day, he wants more of Miss Larva's cooking. He thinks that maybe she fooled him and dumped the bug pan and made a fresh pan of lasagna. Brian teases Fitz about it, about if he'll have a school lunch again, and Miss and how Miss Larva is the best cook. Fitz dreams about bug lasagna all night and craves Miss Larva's cooking the next morning. Lunchtime comes and Fitz races Brian to the lunch line and beats him by a fraction of a second. They smell garlic and lunch of spaghetti and the meatballs. Fitz's favorite food, because he's five. <laughs> uh, they high five in excitement for food. Like it's some kind of 90s food commercial. All right. Generic food. Yeah, dude. <laughs> they, they get their food and shovel it down. They both get more more helpings of food. Doesn't at one point he just start using his hands? Fitz shovels the food into his maw with his hands when he realizes the fork was slowing him down. Like a baby. With sauce all over his face, Brian says that Fitz looks like a girl with lipstick. And they start a food fight with the entire cafeteria. Teachers included. And uh, can we read the last two sentences of ch- of this chapter on page 65, please? Suddenly Fitz noticed Miss Larva and a chill ran down his spine. She was standing behind the steam table again, watching it all with a huge smile on her face. Menacingly! Yeah. Also the fact that, like, there's a meatball that falls on the floor and he picks it up and eats it. Oh yeah, I forgot about that part. Yeah. Yeah. Chapter 13. The next morning, Fitz is walking to school when Brian stops him and wants to show him something. He unbuttons his shirt and says he wants Fitz then and now. Okay, no, he unbuttons his shirt and reveals an egg-sized lump sticking out from his chest. Fitz asks where it came from and if it hurts. Brian doesn't know where it came from and it doesn't hurt, just feels funny. Brian says he didn't tell his parents about it because he wants to know how he got it first. Brian then tells Fitz to touch it. Fitz touches it and gets hard because man boob. Okay, no, he he just touches it and says it feels warm. And then he feels it more and it's wriggling inside. <laughs> Fitz, looking at Brian in horror, whispers to Brian that whatever it is, it's alive. It's alive! Oh, also, uh, after this chapter, here's a little bit of a trigger warning. There's a lot of gross buggy shit going on and under the skin stuff. So, yeah. I... Yeah, I, I forgot to warn Sam when she was reading because I wasn't sure if she would read it if I told her. So that's why I didn't tell her. But hey, listener, if you're grossed out by this stuff, please try to listen on. My commentary is really funny. So here we go. Chapter 14. The two boys get back to school or get to school and Fitz takes Brian to the bathroom to make out. Okay, no, he just lifts his shirt and has Brian or has himself and Brian inspect for any lumps. Fitz doesn't have any uh, and he has a sneaking suspicion that the lumps are caused by Miss Larva's food. But Brian says to stop bashing her and they head to class. Fitz can't pay attention because Sarah has a huge lump, like Brian's, but on the back of her neck. He tells her about it, but she hisses at him. Shut up and mind his own beeswax. Bitch gonna be a bee, just watch. That was, that's in my notes, not uh, actually what happens. Chapter 15. Lunchtime is here and Miss Larva is serving liver and onions. 
Fitz normally hates liver and onions, but when he smells it in the cafeteria, his mouth waters. When he gets his plate, he cobbles it all up with his hands and grabs two more servings. Then he goes for a fourth serving and asks Miss Larva what her secret is. Is it roadkill, he jokes. This angers Miss Larva and Brian as well. And let us read what happens next, because this shit is wild. Brian, no kidding, I was making a joke, Fitz insisted. Brian shoved him against the wall, putting his face close to Fitz as he growled. You dirtbag. Make a joke like that about Miss Larva again and I'll beat you to a pulp. Suddenly other angry kids were swarming around Fitz and Brian. Leave Miss Larva alone, you big creep, shouted Sarah. Yeah, you better watch what you say, you loser, added Jeff McCormick. He and Brian were advancing towards Fitz from from one side. Jimmy Forsyth, Forsyth, whatever, Forskin, was leading an angry group to the other direction. Fitz gulped and took a step forward. He could see the lump on Brian's chest sticking out from beneath the collar of his shirt. It had grown. It's at least double the size it had been this morning. And what was that bulge under Jeff's shirt? Fitz could hardly believe his eyes. It was a lump, just like the one Brian and Sarah had. Then Fitz noticed something else. As his angry classmates advanced on him, threatening looks on their faces... All three of the lumps were pulsating faster and faster, as if they were excited. Yes. Fitz runs away from the mob and hides in a classroom until the lunch bell rings. He cautiously walks to his classroom with no problems, but when he gets there, Brian is waiting for him. Brian shoots him a big smile and apologizes for his actions. Let's go ahead and read uh, page 80 through 81. (laughs) Yet again, another one. Man, I don't know what happened to me in in the cafeteria, said Brian. He shook his head and frowned as if he was still trying to figure it out. I didn't want to say those things, but I couldn't help it, he went on. It was like somebody else was inside my head, talking and acting and thinking for me. Anyways, I just wanted to let you know I'm sorry. Fitz stared at Brian in horror. The things Brian was saying were supposed to make him feel better. Instead, they were making him feel worse. A lot worse. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, dun, dun. Chapter 17 the boys head into their classroom, and Fitz is surprised to see all the kids who just minutes ago had formed an angry mob to beat the holy hell out of this child that are now acting calm and normal. You know something weird I noticed in the book? Or I'll say it, save it till the end. Okay. Uh, then their teacher, Mrs. Dewberry, tells them to sit down and shut the fuck up very angrily, which Fitz says isn't like her because she's normally very mild-mannered and cheerful. She says it's time for a test, and she hands out a vi- she hands it out violently, slamming the papers down on the student's desk. The question makes no the questions on the test make no sense. The first one is if you have seven bananas and you take away nine eggs, how many frogs do you have left? Twenty. Brian raises his hand and says that the question doesn't make any sense, and Mrs. Dewberry yells at him and sends him to the principal's office for talking during a test. Fitz guesses his way through the test, much like life, and then gets to the second part of the test, which was like algebra, but she hadn't taught them that yet. She only gave the kids 10 minutes to finish the test, and then she gave out their homework, which was read pages 19 through 85 of their textbook and answer all the problems. Fitz then spies on Mrs. Dewberry Shelber, a lump that has a life of its own. So, you know what I was... A weird tangent that I just thought of, of like... That he's 12 and they should have been taught algebra already? No, I didn't learn algebra until 8th grade. What? Algebra was like 7th grade for me. They did like pre-algebra. I mean, that counts. Like, I had like high school. I did high school algebra in 8th grade. Um, It reminded me of a thing in like, I think it was 11th grade. Mm Mm-hmm. Where we're supposed to have like a pre and post test. And she's like, I want you to do as bad as possible. I'm like, can I doodle on half the test? Yeah. And the teacher's like, I don't give a shit. (laughs) Okay, then. Chapter 18. 
It's the end of school, and Lexi goes up to Fitz and asks him bashfully if he has any weird bumps on his body. He says he doesn't, and Lexi talks about Sarah's and how Sarah snapped at her when Lexi said she should tell her parents about it. Fitz stupidly doesn't tell her about Brian's or any of the other lumps that he'd noticed, but he does make a weird comment that goes like this. It felt strange to confide in a girl that way. He shook his head, feeling almost confused about Lexi as about Miss Larva. Does he have a boner for Miss Larva? For that comment? Like, for real. When Fitz gets home, he gets naked and inspects his naked boy body for lumps. And is relieved to not have cancer. As he as he's getting dressed, he gets a phone call from Brian, who says he needs to speak to him in person, and that, if, that it's an emergency. Fitz races out the door to Brian's. Brian reveals that he has another lump on his body and says that he's been acting weird and doesn't understand it. It's his testicles. Fitz, what? No. Fitz <laughs> says he sh- should tell his parents about, uh, tell his parents. But Brian objects and doesn't want to go to a doctor like a real American because that's, what if it's terminal? Fitz then tells Brian that he saw lumps on Sarah and Mrs. Dewberry and he thinks it's connected to Miss Larva. This infuriates Brian and he threatens him and and Fitz runs away scared. Fitz then checks his body once again, even though it's only been an hour uh, since he last checked. And to his shock, he has developed a small lump growing on his left side. It's cancer! Goosebumps stinger, please, Chris. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> chapter... I'm, I need to add more Goosebumps stinger whenever I do it. Chapter 19. That night, Fitz didn't sleep at all. He tosses and turns and is worried... About his new lump. You could say it fits in the tantrums. (laughs) The next morning, he skips breakfast and didn't even say goodbye to his parents. He just rushed to school and charged into the cafeteria. He asked Miss Larva a question about insects regarding their previous experience, about their stages, and what the last two are. She explains the cocoon stage and then the final stage. Fitz asks in shock what happens to the cocoon. Her reply is when the insect hatches. It no longer has any use for it. So the cocoon withers up and dies. Fitz stares at her in terror and realizes her plan. Chapter 20. I put at that point, is this just alien but for children? Uh, I mean... In a way, like in the way of a parasite coming in. It's very much like alien. You're you're very accurate on that. I mean, alien is literally just a parasite. Yeah, like I mean in that specific part of like the... Dying after it yeah, hits. Pretty much. But, I mean, they burst out from his from their chest, though. So, but these are, like, lumps gonna burst out from, like... I feel like they're in the dermis, not, like, deep yeah. inside. Sorry, I know it's making you itchy. But I'm just pointing out my I, facts. I know. I, I know what you're... I know. I know. I'm trying to explain it without making you itch, but I apologize. Chapter 20. Fitz runs out of the cafeteria to find Brian. When he does, he pulls him somewhere secluded and tells him... That they're incubating bugs inside their bodies. Brian shows concern and wants to help. Before they can come up with a plan, the bugs take control of Brian and force him to storm off. Fitz is left alone to come up with something. But what? But a chapter 21, that's what. Fitz swears not to eat any more of the lunch. He packs his lunch, but at lunchtime, he smells the food and tosses his lunch out. It's carrots, broccoli, and boiled cabbage, along with bird's nest soup. Goat cheese and pickled pig's feet. What's bird's nest soup? I have no idea. I'll look it up. Yeah, look that up. Uh, so Miss Larva tells him to save room for dessert. Fried brains pudding, which is in the oven. The kids chant for the fried brain pudding. 
Miss Larva brings it out, and Fitz forces his way to the front of the line. He gets the slimy running pudding, and can't believe how good it is. And uh, I'm going to let Sam tell me what bird's nest soup is. So, according to India Times, the soup is made from edible bird's nests, which are called caviar of the east. Extremely rare, rare and valuable. The main ingredient is nest of the swiftlet bird, which is found in Southeast Asia. Huh. I mean, I tried, but... And it, the reason behind the dish so be, being known as bird saliva soup is very, also very interesting. Oh, I've heard of this before. Okay. Okay. But uh, we then this happens. Read the last page. The last sentence of page 102 to the end of the chapter, Sam. That's right. We're on page 102 now. Miss Buggy's cooking is terrific. She's the best cook in the world. More. More. He thought. Then suddenly he realized those weren't his thoughts at all. They were the thoughts of something inside him. Dee, 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 dee. A penis. <laughs> Chapter 22. That night, voices awoke Fitz in the middle of the night. Voices in his head that say that they'll control him, and there's nothing that he can do about it. He cries out in fear, and his parents enter the room. Concerned for him, he tells them that he heard voices, and they say he's just dreaming. And to go to bed... And we have to read the last two paragraphs from this one on page 107, because it's pretty fucking funny. He tried to force the words out, but he couldn't. Now you forget all about your nightmares and go back to sleep. Your mother and I are right across the hall if you need us. That's right, sweetie, said his mother, standing up to leave. But Fitz didn't want them to leave. He didn't want to be alone again, with the voices. He tried to call out as his parents headed to the door. His lips moved, but no sound came out. He watched the door close behind him, behind them, feeling lonelier than he'd ever felt in his life. That's such a depressing fucking ending to a chapter. That's yeah. why I have to read it. Well, and one of the things that kind of bugged me is like the bugged par- <laughs> the parents being like, "There's no goblins. There's no monster under the bed." It's like he he's in seventh grade. Well, what's good? He had a bad dream, you know. Yeah. But they just the they way- assume that he had a bad dream, and they're just trying to calm him down. Yeah, but just the way they said it, I'm like, he- chapter twenty three. Another lump had formed on Fitz's leg. He had to come up with something to destroy these larvae. He waited for Brian to see if he could help. Get Lexi to help you, you fucking get. He finds Brian, and when he comes over, Fitz has this sudden urge to fight him. Fitz starts wailing on Brian, making his nose bleed and cutting his lip. The, a group of kids surround the boys and cheer for blood. Brian and Fitz fight for a bit, but end up exhausted. The group of kids disperse, and the two boys sit next to each other, beaten, battered, and exhausted. Fitz apologizes for his actions, and Brian understands... Fitz realizes he wasn't the one to pick the fight. A voice in his head says that they're in control now. Chapter 24. Lexi approaches the boys about what happened and Fitz brings her up to speed. She's bewildered but believes him. He says they all need to come up with ideas of what to do about the larva and they can meet after school to to discuss their plans. But both Lexi and Brian can't make it so they'll meet the next morning. That night, Fitz can't sleep. He couldn't come up with any plans, and the lumps were making it uncomfortable to sleep. The voices were also talking softly. Fitz couldn't hear them at first, but he settled himself down, and then heard two words. Fitzgerald. Son. Chapter 25. (laughs) We're almost done. The three meet up the next morning on the weekend. Brian's idea is to drink bug poison, which Lexi explains is fucking stupid. The Dale Gribble. (laughs) It is the Dale Gribble idea. Fitz then has the idea of what if they spray on the lumps? They're cautious at first thinking it could burn off their skin, which I mean, that's Dale Gribble number two. (laughs) Fitz decides he's going to try it. He removes his shirt and gives this can a soft smell, 
but regrets it because it smells awful. Which, funnily enough, I smell... <laughs> okay, at work, I had a kind of an, a similar thing happen to me. I'm trying to get rid of all these lumps on my body. No. I was trying to find vinegar in my cabinet so I can, you know, clean the, the port glasses. Because vinegar is mm-hmm. really good at uh, cleaning windows. Yep. And I... I was an idiot, and and I, I found a spray bottle. I'm like, oh shit, maybe Fernie already put uh, some of that in there. And I smell it, and it's just fucking, like, strong-ass alcohol or something else. I don't know what, and it just, like, I was just like, oh, that is awful. Why did I smell that? I, it, it, I didn't learn anything from chemistry because I never took it. But you're supposed to waft smells. You waft. And, uh, yeah, that was very idiotic of me to smell that un, unprovoked. To be fair, my mom did that once at a... It, it wasn't Whole Foods, but where the Whole Foods was. Yeah. And it was, like, smelling salts or something like that. Oh, wow. And instead of, like, wafting, she just stuck her head in the bin because it was one of those, like, bulk bins. And then she was like, oh, that was awful. I regret it. Yeah, and then I found the vinegar that was clearly labeled vinegar. I was just... I wondered if they already put it inside a spray bottle. That's all. Uh, but no, let's let's get back on here. So the bug smell... Uh, the bug spray smells awful... Then, without warning, the giant lump on his side starts freaking out, and without control, he lets out a piercing scream. He has to lean up against a dream, a tree to get his bearings because it freaky, freaks him out so badly. And you're just getting itchy, aren't you? Yes, I hate that I can't take Benadryl tonight. Yay. Brian has the wise idea of cutting them out or popping them out like zits. Fitz then says, why not bust in the kitchen and see if Miss Larva has any notes on her experiments? And maybe even a way to stop this. They sneak into the back of the kitchen where they where the deliveries are made. Lexi stays out as lookout and the boys walk in. As they step with caution, they hear a click. Miss Larva has locked them inside with her. She is without her sunglasses and her bug eyes are enormous. She has them now. Chapter 26. Two more chapters, guys. Don't worry. No more itchy. Lexi starts to call out to them, and Fitz says, "Run, get help!" But before she can, before she can, Miss Larva opens the door and snatches her inside like the idiot, like the so sad allergy girl she is. Uh, Miss Larva offers to make them a meal, and the kids freak out and try to run out, but all the doors are locked. Miss Larva begins to make hamburgers and fries. The smell is orgasmic to the boys. Fitz wants to escape, but the voices tell him otherwise. He, he thinks that maybe they could overpower her, but it's too late. The burgers and fries are ready. And she takes them to the cafeteria to eat them. The boys chomp down the food and ask for ketchup and mustard. And the asking for mustard again disgusts Miss Larva. She gets the ketchup for them. And Fitz notices that she has mustard in the cabinet as well. Fitz rushes the lunch lady and knocks her to the floor and gets to the cabinet and grabs a mustard and tries to squeeze it into his mouth. But he suddenly loses all of his strength. Miss Larva has Lexi and is about to force a hamburger in her mouth, even though she's allergic to hamburger meats. Fitz gets the strength and squeezes the mustard down his gullet. Chapter 27. Fitz tosses a bottle to Brian and tells him to drink up. Fitz then grabs another bottle and aims it at Miss Larva. She cowers behind Lexi. Then the droning of hornets fills the cafeteria. Fitz couldn't see anything, though. Suddenly, Fitz felt nauseous and lump, and the lumps started to squirm within him. He rushed to the sink to puke up whatever was bothering it, and up chucked masses of larva. And so did, and so does Brian. The boys are then told to look out. Miss Larva was coming towards them, and they turned around 
and there sitting on the cor- counter was a three-foot-tall insect with the head of a horsefly and the body of a roach. It was coming at them. The boys rushed to get mustard, uh, get mustard bottles, and through it all, get one and spray the foul creature with it, killing her softly. Killing her softly with mustard. I don't know any other words. Doing it all because I can. Itching my Sam with his words. Can I chug mustard? It's a bad idea. Uh, <laughs> say I wouldn't. The kids clean up the mess, sending the larva they vomited up down the garbage disposal and mapping up the mess. The, they then toss Miss Larva in the dumpster and then take mustard bottles from the kitchen to distribute and save everyone else. And let us read the last bit. Uh, starting on page 136, Sam, and the rest. They set to work cleaning up the kitchen. They scooped up the dead larvae in the, in the cook's lasagna pan and poured them down the garbage disposal. When the floor was mopped clean, they dragged Miss Larva outside and heaved her into the dumpster. I just have to prove this point. They actually fucking do that. <laughs> they just dump the body in the dumpster. They do. It's fucking amazing. Keep going. I guess that's all. That's about all we can do here, says Fitz as they headed back to the kitchen. <laughs> Let's pass out the poison to everyone else. Can we start with Sarah? asked Lexi. She's my best friend. I'd really like to save her first. Fitz grinned slyly at Lexi. Let me do it. I'm good at making her puke. Laughing, they loaded themselves down with the yellow plastic mustard bottles Miss Larva had hidden away so carefully and hurried off to find their teachers and friends. Fitz looked at, Le- at Lexi as she trotted along beside him. She had been awfully brave when Miss Larva held her in her clutches. He was actually starting to like her in spite of the fact that she was a girl. In fact, he thought and spelled to himself, I'm starting to like her a lot. Can you read the last sentence because you rushed it? In fact, he thought and smiled to himself, I'm starting to like her a lot. Dee, 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 dee. He's not gay. <laughs> So, what did you think about this one, Sam? Uh, I kind of hated it. Not in the sense of, like, it was poorly written or, like... Because it's a very well-written book. Or bad premise, but I... You don't like bugs. You don't like bug and skin shit. Well, and I was gonna say, like... shit. Yeah. Well, and also, as someone who's had, like, skin issues... Yeah. Like, stuff coming out of skin is, like, the... Is is a trigger for me. Yeah. This had some good body horror, though. You gotta admit, some... Like, hardcore body horror for a kid's book. Yeah. Like, Arl Stein wishes he had something this brutal. I'm gonna say, the closest I can think of is Animorphs, honestly. Yeah. Being, like, as brutal as I've heard. This is fucking Botsfly shit right here. Ugh. I remember hearing about Botsflies for the first time in, like, I don't know, Animal Planet or something? I remember someone putting, sharing a YouTube video on Facebook of, like... Yeah, I don't get that shit. And, like, Pipple Popper crap? Yeah. Yeah. No. But I really enjoyed this book. Like, if I had to give this a book a rating, I think I'd give it a four out of five. Like, it's got its problems, because, like, Fitz is kind of a terrible main character. Yeah, I kind of hate him. He's kind of a bad main character, but plot-wise and just situation-wise, it's a really entertaining book. Like, I can't think of a reason not to read this one again. Like, I, I would read this one again, honestly, just for funsies. So I would give it a 3 out of 5 on the basis of it's just not my cup of tea. Yeah, that's like, fair. it's not anything that I can really, like... I'm gonna say the same critique with Fitz, but it's not, like, a poorly... Again, it's not poorly written or anything like that. Yeah. It's just... 
It's not for you. I, I cannot read for it again. For me, who likes body horror and, like, bug stuff, like, The Fly from ni- the 1980s Fly is one of my favorite horror movies. So this this book just works perfectly for me. Yeah, just the skin stuff is just the... Alright, so a couple of my notes I had. So, it's kind of weird that the parents aren't dropping him off on his first day. Because I don't know about you guys, but my mom always dropped me off on the first day of school. Like, it was kind of a tradition. I don't know about you, Sam, or anything. Uh, but my mom would always drop me off at school. Not as... Not like middle school and forward. Okay. Or my mom would during high school, but that was because she dropped me off every day. Yeah. But... I think partially just because, like, school started at 9, mm-hmm. and my parents both, like, my dad started work, had to get to work at, like, 7. Yeah, because he's a teacher. Yeah. And my mom had to get to work at 8 on, like, the other side of town. Yeah. So, they didn't on that. That's fair. Then you live really close to schools. Like, to say, both your first two schools. For, no, I didn't live close to Utterback. Uh, yeah, sorry, no, I, I, yeah, that was my bad. I went, I got, I took the bus at Vale. Oh, yeah, by the way, so some notes I have. Mm-hmm. Of page 119, that's the whole, like, we can pop it like a zit. Yeah. And I put, there's the worst part, and then I put one th- page 132. No, this is worse. <laughs> okay, what was 132? Was that's that like the, the puking up the bugs? But like, it's squirming inside Puke them. Puke count two, by the way. The, the, it was like the squirming inside them and like yeah. vomiting, yeah. yeah. I was like, no, that's worse. That I, I mean, I love the last part. I thought that was amazing. Just them, like, freaking the fuck out and just... <gasps> Just puking up these fucking bugs. I think it was just more the, again, the under the skin. That oh, bug. it's so good. It's like, this is brutal for a kid's book, I feel. Like, I know it's just bugs and stuff, but like, oh, it's so brutal. All right, a couple more of my notes. Have you ever tried bugs before, Sam? Have you? I, did, I have not. Would you try them? Um, I feel like it's one of those, for me, you would have to not tell me it was bugs. Okay. But, like, I'd be willing to try, like, chocolate-covered ants or, like, that kind of thing. Yeah. Or- Grasshopper. I would try any kind of... Like, I'm one of those people that's like, if you can me some kind of food, I'll try it. Like, even if you tell me it's like bull testicles or something, I try it. Like, I'm not opposed to trying new stuff. I'm one of those, like, you just would not be able to tell me kind of thing. Yeah. Alright, that's fair. What are your thoughts on cafeteria food in general? It's one of those... On one hand, I get where a lot of times with school lunches, it's hard because you Also, here's a big disclaimer. Can we say something real quick? Mm -hmm. We were... We're at the stage of school lunches of, like, when they're in the middle of, like, pre-Michelle uh, Obama changing school lunches. Yeah. Like, we're pre-that age. Like, we, I think, like, maybe middle, like, I think it was my, Obama was elected my junior year, but the Michelle Obama thing didn't really go through until, I think, my senior year or your senior year. Yeah, it was one of those, like, it didn't happen until after the, like... After we left. Yeah. So, big citation on that one, just so you guys know. That, we're old. We're yeah. old people. So, part of it was, I kind of get it. Get off my lawn. Because it's one of those, like, it's it's hard to be so good when you're making it for... A mass. A massive amount So of many kids. Like, especially with, like, Tucson High specifically. Yeah. There's so many kids. Like, you're not going to get top quality burgers for no. that many kids. And, for what it's worth, I ate a lot of cafeteria food... But not willingly, because my dad was a janitor for an elementary school. And, you know, I don't know if you if, if this is, like, common elsewhere, but there's a sharing table where you can leave food and stuff. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes they'd leave, like, the big... Like, someone would leave, like, their main entree, but mostly it'd be milk and shit. Yeah. And sometimes the lunch ladies would give him, like, a, like the pizzas and other stuff like that. And I fucking hate old school pizza that fucking flatbread shit with like just cheese and sauce on it i 
gonna say, I like the circle ones. Yeah, the circle ones were good, but they didn't have those in elementary school. Oh, no, they didn't. Well, I remember there was, like, I think it was, like, fifth grade, where they were, like, I was like, oh, it's the pizza? And she's like, no, it's the, it's actually, like, good pizza, like my friend told me. Because I remember when they had those, like, circular ones that were, like, the French Baron pizzas. Yeah. Like, oh, my God, those were so fucking good. But, no, this, like, that school had that shit. Uh, The ravioli was fine, because I'm pretty sure it was just a giant tub of Chef Boyardee. Or whatever, the generic version. Yeah. Like, it was fine. I can't stand chocolate milk anymore, because I... Because I had it for so long in my life. I can't stand shamrock milk, period. I can't drink... I can't look at shamrock milk and be like, ooh, that looks good. No, I get disgusted at the idea of shamrock milk. Just because you had it so much. Because I had it so goddamn much. I was going to say, I don't... I think shamrock's fine, but again, I didn't... Drink it for fucking ever. Yeah, it was not the... I'm trying to think of what else was like my dad brought home for food. I'm going to say one of my favorite ones in elementary school. Yeah. Little Smokies. The Little Smokies were good, but those tortillas sucked. It's one of those, I was willing to look it over for the Little Smokies kind yeah. of thing. And my dad would bring home some of the Little Smokies. Those were always fun to have. Those were always little, little good meals. I like those ones. I'm trying to think what else they had. Um, you know, the burritos weren't half bad. I don't remember the burritos. They, were, they weren't half bad. They were just like, they were like generic, like, like uh, what's it called? Um, What's the word? I can't think of the word for it. Um, Why are you opening up that? Stop that. Uh, They're like... Frozen burritos, I feel like. Like, uh, free. Alright, so, the, uh... The sandwiches were always crap. I don't remember the sandwiches. Like, I think they had, like, a chicken sandwich or something like that. Oh, the chicken patty sandwich. And, yeah, those were... They were, like, gray meat and nasty. And, and they, the burgers were so bad, And the too. lettuce was, like, limp and, like... They didn't even have lettuce! What are you I thought about? I had a piece of one no. with lettuce once. You're the cheese of, was ass. The cheese was bland. Yeah, like, the burgers had nothing... It was just patty and buns. Yeah. Like, you had to add ketchup and mustard and lots of it because yeah. it was garbage. I don't think you get cheese on it. No. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> uh, liver and onions. Uh, have you ever had it? No. Would you try it? Um, I don't know if I'd try it. I would try it. One of those, I'd probably take a bite. I don't want to commit to a whole plate. And why was it a thing in the 90s? Yeah. Like, Doug had an episode about liver and onions. I think someone else did, too. Yeah, I know there's, like, it was a big thing in the 90s, and I'm like, I have never been presented I've with never, liver and Yeah, onions. I've never seen it on a menu. I don't think I'd buy it off a menu, but... I think I saw it on, like, one menu. Yeah. Once. And it was one of those, like, I'm not gonna get that. Yeah, it's a little too pricey for liver and fucking onions. So, and also, can mustard kill bugs is something I'm wondering. I feel like in the sense of probably if you drown a bug in anything, you kill it. Yeah. But is it like a, is mustard like a deterrent for bugs is what I'm wondering also. I'm gonna Google that. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's find out. We'll go ahead and. So, brassicate brassic, plants, notably black and white mustard, but also broccoli, kale, and cabbage, produce glucosinates to fight off insect pests. In response, some bugs, like... Like, the cabbage butterfly have come up with chemicals aimed at detoxifying glucosinates. Kinda. Yeah, okay. Actually. So some, some bugs don't care for mustard. Okay. Yeah. So there's some science to this, I yeah. guess. in a way, like... Alright, uh, do you have anything else to say about this book, Sam? Uh, again, I hate the fact that I can't take Benadryl tonight. Because <laughs> we've been drinking. Yeah. Itchy, 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 itchy. Oh, dude, Sam's going itchy, itchy. 
So, uh, you, I have a song already planned for this one. Yeah. And I think you're pretty much in agreement because I told you beforehand I already know what song I want to play. Yeah. But, uh, let's, let's get to our kind of final things. Hey, uh, if you enjoyed the podcast, make sure you, you know, like, subscribe, leave a review on iTunes. It means a lot. You know, five stars is a good thing. You know, a good review can help us. It goes a long way. And, hey... Uh, if you're not following us on on SOW underscore podcast on Twitter, what are you doing? I'm hilarious. I love being on there being, making an ass of myself. Getting drunk and tweeting some stupid ass shit. Yes, that happened recently. Don't ask. Uh, and then also you can follow us on Facebook at Speaking of Which Podcast. It's okay. I just post updates. But hey, you can also visit our website, speakingofwitch.org. Uh, you can subscribe and if you want to message me, or any of us for that matter, leave a leave a message there. We'll get back to you either on the if you want us to read it on the podcast, leave that hey, say that on the message. Be like, hey, can you read this on the podcast? I'll gladly do it. Uh, and then you can follow follow me at the underscore Rupal on Twitter and Instagram, but it's better to follow me on SOW underscore podcast on Twitter, because that's what I mainly use. Sam? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Berserker Rose. Alright, so that's everything I suppose. So, Sam, we're going to go off on a very, uh, one, I, I'd say it's, I wouldn't say it's one of my favorite songs, but it's one of my kind of, un, like, underwhelming bands that I actually really enjoy their, one of their albums. Uh, Lump, by the Presidents of the United States of America. She's Lump, she's Lump. <laughs> she might be dead. Yeah. She's Lump, she's, lump, she's in my head.